This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Today's message, I'm going to be teaching you. This is a teaching sermon. And this is not an evangelistic style of preaching. So you, you need to grasp that. I'm going to teach you some things today that perhaps you've never considered or, in fact, that you have never heard presented to you in the way that I'm presenting it to you right now. So please keep that in mind and stay abreast with everything that we do because uh, you will not want to miss anything. If you get distracted in any way, shape, or form, uh, you're going to miss some significant spiritual truths of what we're talking about. So follow along with me, and I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn them with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, and I'm going to read for you verses 1 through 9. And the message today, and I want to emphasize again, yearly we teach Bible prophecy. I believe that it's a very important subject for every believer to be well rehearsed in. Now, I do understand that there are people that do not care about Bible prophecy. Uh, they would prefer love sermons and uh, bird sermons and uh, beautiful water mountain sermons and that kind of thing. And God does have a wonderful lesson in nature. But I will tell you my responsibility as a gospel preacher is to teach and to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. And if it doesn't matter to you now, believe me, one day it will matter to you. And so I do not want to ever neglect the important things. In fact, what I'm speaking on now affects your future. It affects my future. It affects the future of the world. It affects the future of planet Earth. And so it's critical not to let the sermons on Bible prophecy go over your head, but to be like a sponge and soak it up. You can never know too much about it. And believe me this, I will never know all about it myself. But I have presented myself to be an empty earthen vessel for the Lord to fill. And I want to know all I can. So I'm speaking today on this subject. What time is it? And what if? So let's begin reading together today in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse number 9. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. 
But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Let me pause and say this. The Russians will not push the button that ends the world. This world, as we know it today, according to the word of God, will one day be destroyed. But I will tell you, it will not be the Iranians, the Iraqis, the Chinese. It will be great God Jehovah. And the word is clear in verse number 8. But beloved, to be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day... Now, let me teach you a spiritual truth. How does God compute time? Do not lose me here. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, Lord. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, that's a hard verse for the hyper-Calvinists to wrap themselves around. Because I firmly believe that God has not handpicked certain people to go to heaven and certain people to go to hell. I believe that when the blood flowed from Calvary's cross, it was given to the world for God so loved the world. Not just certain people. He's no respecter of persons. But that all should come to repentance. In this particular text, Peter is reminding us not to lose track of what the Old Testament prophets said about eschatology. Last Sunday, I mentioned to you that eschatology is a big word. It's a formal word. It's a seminary word. I get that. I understand it. It's a big word about a big subject. Eschatology simply means the study of things to come. It's a prophetic word. It's a word I was taught in seminary. It's a word that you need to be taught here in the congregation eschatology. We, we preach on it every year, once a year. The study, the subject of things to come. God, listen now, Jehovah God who is omnipotent, we cannot forget that he and he alone is the architect of all the ages. And he has by his own divine providence he has allowed us with clarity to be enlightened to his plan of the future for the destruction of this old world and the new world coming that includes his eternal kingdom of which there will be no end. And make no mistake about this, that one of these days, the King of kings and the Lord of lords will come back again and he will rule and reign upon the throne of David according to the word of God for 1,000 years. That's called the millennium. Do not confuse the rapture with the millennium. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 7. 
of the increase, and they will get these scriptures on the screens as quick as possible, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, something very important to remember is this, that at the time that the sacred scriptures were written, now you have to stay with me here, at the time that the scriptures were written, over one-fourth of the scripture, over one-fourth of the Bible was prophetic. Keep that in mind. It wasn't all about Jonah and the whale and David and Goliath and Daniel and the lions, and over one-fourth was prophetic. And here in our text today, Peter also says that not only were the prophets enlightened with prophecy, but he says also the apostles were enlightened with prophecy. And what he reinforces here is the sounding alarm that all of the Scripture is true, all of it. And we as believers better believe it's all true from Genesis to Revelation. Because it's God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Titus 1-2 says, it is impossible for God to lie. And so there is not one single thing that God has said in this book that is not true. Now, I want you to keep in mind this morning as we study this great subject that many things in Bible prophecy has already been fulfilled. But I also want you to know that there are many things yet to come in Bible prophecy that is still yet to be fulfilled. But in this message today, Peter jumps all in about the last days. And he says that when the end was near, keep in mind, and we are at that point, we are living in the Laodicean age. Number one on your bulletin today, he says that in the last days that there would be scoffers and mockers, there would be multitudes of people walking after their own lust. Now, I agree. Listen carefully, and you know some of these people. The last days is such a hot topic of debate going on in the world today. And there are people who believe that this is the time where we're living right now, that we are living in the last days. I want you to know that I personally fit into that category. I personally believe that we are living in the last days. In fact, I want to take that a step further. I personally believe that we're living in the last of the last days. And then there are those who believe that Jesus is coming but that his coming is not for thousands of years way out in the eons of time. And then there is a category of people who do not believe any of it, who do not believe at all that Jesus is going to come again. And they go as far as to say that anybody that believes that kind of nonsense is a total fool. 
They say the earth is just spinning like it has always been spinning and like it always will be. They say to people like me, Preacher, you keep preaching all of this doomsday stuff, apocalyptic things. You keep talking about this word called Armageddon. And they say, but you need to be realistic, sir, because people have been preaching that nonsense for thousands of years and nothing has happened. They say that all kinds of people have even gone as far as setting dates when Jesus was supposed to come or that the end of the world was going to happen. And that's true. And I say that with much sadness because, listen, many people have been made fools of themselves by making bold predictions. They have gone as far as to predict dates and times and places as to when Jesus was coming again. And I will tell you that people that do that, it's a total embarrassment to the Scripture. It's a total embarrassment to the church of God because the Word is very, very clear that no one knows when he's going to come. In Matthew 24, verse 36, the Bible says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven. But look at this. But my Father only. That means this. God knows when it's going to happen. That means this. That if God knows that this is going to happen, then God has a timetable. God's not going to bump into the second coming. He knows when this is going to happen. He knows when it's going to be time. God knows what time it is right now. But those of us who are saved, listen carefully, we do not know the day nor hour when he's going to come. But one thing we do know for sure is that he is coming. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 34, the Scripture says, And if any man hunger, and this pertains to the communion passages of Scripture, but if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together into condemnation. And the Lord proclaims this, and the rest will I set in order. Look at this. These are are probably the three sweetest words in the Bible for a believer. When I come. Not if I come, but when I come. But there are multitudes of people who do not believe that he's going to come again, and they're laughing their way to hell. Maybe you know somebody like this. This is exactly what Peter is talking about that would happen and what would be happening in these last days. There are some people on this earth who have made up their minds that no matter what, No matter what the Bible says, no matter what the preacher says, they have made up their minds to reject Bible prophecy altogether. And they will continue to reject that this book is the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, the unadulterated Word of God. They will will die and go to hell believing that nonsense. And by the multitudes, listen carefully, just like it was in the days of Noah, according to the Scripture, so it is today. In fact, Jesus himself described 
what the conditions were going to be like on this earth just prior to his coming. I want you to look with me in Matthew 24, beginning in verse number 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now look at this. Peter's giving us some eye-opening considerations here as the last days are relentlessly unleashed upon this earth. And he encourages us as believers to hang on, not to doubt, because just as it's been foretold by the prophets, just as it was declared by the apostles, he says, I want you to hang on and firmly believe that Jesus Christ will come again. The time that ushers in his coming is going to be devastating. Now, listen, it's going to be riddled with pestilences. And we are certainly living in those days. It's going to be riddled with earthquakes all kinds of nature catastrophes, and certainly we're living in those days. Number two, on your bulletin, look carefully. I want you to understand this, that God is not up in heaven making all of this stuff up about the things that's happening on the earth right now. In fact, everything that is going on right now on this earth has clearly been prophesied by the prophets been declared by the apostles, and been testified and preached by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so God has been on time. If you look in the scriptures, God has been on time with everything ever since the very beginning of his revealed time to us. And that's important today, class. You have to understand this. According to his revealed time to us. Don't lose that thought. And he wants us to trust his word. He wants us to trust the prophets and he wants us to trust the apostles. And so that being the case, then what time is it? In Bible prophecy, where are we? What time is it? According to the word of God in Isaiah chapter 46, verse number nine and 10, the Bible says, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there's none like me. Declaring, look at this. God says, I have declared the end from the beginning. So God knows. We don't know. God knows when all of this stuff on earth is going to play out. He knows how it's going to play out, when it's going to play out, because he's omniscient. God knew from the beginning. Remember this, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending. So God knows everything. He's omniscient. 
He knew Jesus would have to die on the cross before Adam and Eve sinned. That's why the Word says he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So God knows And God has known it from the very beginning. Look at this, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So God has a plan and he has a purpose and he will always keep his word. And number three, I believe that God, listen, this is where you have to really pay attention. I believe that God began to reveal his ticking clock of time to us way back in Genesis. And so prophecy is not something that God has ever wanted to keep a secret from us. Prophecy is not about da Vinci codes and secret messages, things that we could not possibly understand and know. When you study the nature of God, listen now, don't lose me here. When you study the nature of God and the ministry and the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you study him, in fact, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And when you carefully study him to know him and you seek the word of God, listen, it has always been the word now, the scripture. The word has always been presented to us in such a way that we could and that we would and that we should walk in the light. God has never given us one single scripture to make us walk in darkness. He's always given us the word to encourage us to walk in the light. In fact, John 8, 12 says this, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So there is not one scripture from Gen... You might say, the Bible's just too hard for me to read. It's just too hard for me to understand. Listen, if you seek, you can find. Doth not even nature itself teach us that there is a God? So God has not given us one scripture from Genesis to Revelation that would shackle us in darkness. He came to give us life and light and that we might have it more abundantly. God has revealed, listen now, prophecy to us in order... Why do we have this stuff anyway? Why do we have prophecy? God has given us prophecy in order for us to prepare ourselves for his son's return. In fact, there's a scripture in Amos. Some of you may have never even opened your Bible to the book of Amos before. But in Amos chapter 3, verse number 7, the Bible says this, Surely the Lord God will do nothing 
But he revealed, look at this, this is important. But he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And this means that God has never had any intentions of keeping anything from us. Amos said that God revealed his secrets to his prophets. And by the way, Moses was a prophet. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah. And so prophecy goes all the way back to Genesis. Number four, listen carefully. No one knows. Now here's where you got to think with me because I'm going to think outside the box, not outside the word, but outside the box. No one knows for sure, but What if, listen carefully, and I emphasize only if, what if God has a seven-year, a 7,000-year plan for human history? You say, you've totally lost me. I get it. Let me back it up. What if, and only if, God has a 7,000-year plan for human history. I want us to think about something today. And keep in mind, listen carefully, that God does not compute time like we do. That's the thing that makes what we're talking about a little difficult to understand sometimes. Because we go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 8, and the word says this, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. The one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And I want you to see something else real quick here. Pay attention. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that's not the rapture, but the day of the Lord, this takes place at the end of of the seven-year tribulation period. The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. This is important. I'm going to come back to this. Peter is saying, listen, when he comes, he's not coming for you as a thief. This is what he's saying, but ye brethren are not in darkness. You have light, you have the prophets, you have the apostles, you have the word of Jesus. You are not walking in darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are children of the light and the children of the day. We are not the night nor of darkness. So listen, when Jesus returns... In the rapture even. Listen carefully. He is not coming, and I'm preaching on the rapture next Sunday. But when and the people get this so mixed up, let me straighten out some eschatology for you today. When he returns in the rapture, listen, he is not coming for you as a thief in the night. No matter what you heard, and I'm going to explain that to you. Because when Jesus returns in the rapture, listen, According to the Word of God, as a believer, you're not walking around with a blindfold. You have the Word. 
You're not walking around in darkness. You have the Word. As a believer, what are we doing right now? What should we be doing? We should be walking in the light. What should we be doing? We should be watching. We should be waiting. We should be praying. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Listen, that's not about somebody who's walking in darkness. If we are looking for the blessed hope, looking, if we are looking for the blessed hope, when he returns, he will not catch us off guard. If we're looking, he will not catch us off guard. If we're watching, he will not come for us as a thief and nobody has any clue what's going on. Because as a believer, listen, we are walking in the light. We are looking for, looking for the blessed hope. We are praying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I am waiting for you. I'm watching for you to come and take me out of this old godless sin world. So keep that in mind. Now, it will appear to the world not to the believer. It will appear to the world that a thief has come and stolen millions of people on this earth. So remember this. God has given us the Bible. He's given us Bible prophecy in order that it might help prepare us to be sober, to be vigilant, to be watching, to be waiting for the Lord's return. Now, we don't know the day nor the hour, but we sure do know the signs. In fact, in Matthew chapter 24, Peter asked Jesus this question. He said, what shall be the signs of thy coming? And then from chapters 24 and 25, Jesus gave us the signs, number five, quickly. And I want to share with you the possibility of a 7,000-year prophetic calendar that God may have. And I'm emphasizing if, I'm emphasizing may have. I don't want to step out of the Word. I'm going to give you a ton of Word here. I'm not stepping outside of the Word, but I'm going to step out of the box. And you're going to have to really be a Bible student right now. Eschatology 101. Listen carefully. Think with me about this. What if he does? What if God has a 7,000-year plan for human history? Okay. The other question is this. Well, preacher, what if he doesn't? It changes nothing. The word is still true. But I want to step out of the box and I want to dive way deep in the word here. And this is where you've got to pay very close attention. I want to explain something to you this morning. And most every Bible student, and I'm not trying to give you a seminary class, but if you were to take seminary, you would enroll tomorrow, this is one of the first things that you would learn about. Most every Bible student, and I pray that everybody here this morning is a Bible student. You came to the house of God today to hear the Word of God, to receive the Word of God, that it might change your life. I pray that's how you came. Most every Bible student learns within the first year of their study. And there is a Bible principle, listen carefully, a biblical principle in your study that's called the law of first mention. 
I don't want to go over your heads, but I'm, I have to give you this. The law of first mention. And this is a guide for studying the Scripture. This is how you keep it in context. The law of first mention means this, that in order to understand a particular word or a particular doctrine, then we have to revert back to the place where those things were first mentioned in the Scripture. And so when a critical word or a critical doctrine is first mentioned in the Scripture, for the very first time, the rest of the Scripture follows that lead. That's the law of first mention. And so I'm going to give you a very important thought based upon the law of first mention. And I want you to think about this important word, if. What if? What if God has a thousand-year plan for human history? What if? And again, keep this in mind that a thousand years to us is like only one day to God. And it's amazing when you stop to study all of this I want you to consider now the number seven. I want you to get seven in your mind. Consider number seven. What if God has a 7,000-year plan for human history? Think about it. If you know anything about the Bible, God has always worked with the number seven. Always. It's not a magical number, but it's a majestic number. First of all, we know that there were seven days involved in creation, considering the day he rested as well. And so from the number seven, the number seven, follow this with me. The children of Israel were told to march around the walls of Jericho how many times? Seven times. Naaman was told to dip in the Jordan how many times? Seven times. There are seven sabbatical years in Israel. Every seven years, God said to let the land have a rest. And then there were seven different groups of sevens in the Scripture. After that was the year of Jubilee. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25, verse 11 through 12, the children of Israel were in captivity for 70 years. Seventy weeks are mentioned in Daniel, chapter 9. Jesus described himself with seven different metaphors. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. I am the way. I am the vine. When you study the book of Revelation, there are seven churches, seven angels, seven thunders, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven plagues. Now, having mentioned all of this, it's clear how that God has always worked with the number seven. And we can go all the way back to Genesis. And listen carefully. There are many Bible scholars that believe that Genesis 1, which speaks about the seven days involving creation, listen carefully. What if this number seven 
corresponds to 7,000 years of human history, believing that there would be 6,000 years of human history where man walked on the earth, followed by a 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ, making that a 7,000-year plan of human history. So let me ask again, what time is it? Just suppose, and what if? What if? And number six, I want you to look at the seven days of creation. We're talking about number seven here. This is important. The seven days of creation, and I want you to see how prophetically they parallel with each millennium of human history. Seven days of creation, and see how they prophetically parallel with each millennium of human history. And you can draw out the most significant event from each one of them. For example, on the first day of creation, it parallels with the first millennium. On the first day of creation, on the first day of the week, God created light and he separated it from darkness. In the first millennium, Adam and Eve sinned against God and separated them spiritually from God's light. Light and darkness were separated spiritually. On the second day of creation, there was the separation of the waters above and the waters below. And in the second millennium, the waters above and the waters below were used in God's judgment as he brought the flood upon the earth. And they were separated again. On the third day of creation, the grass, listen now, don't, don't forget this word. The grass, the seed, the seed. Herbs and fruit trees were brought into existence. And in the third millennium, the promise was made to Abraham that through his seed, all of the nations on the earth would be blessed. On the fourth day of creation, the lights in the firmament of heaven were created. And in the fourth millennium, the prophets were given the promise that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming to be the light of the world. On the fifth day of creation, living creatures were created. And in the fifth millennium, Jesus died that we might be made new creatures and creations in him, and we were given eternal life through our faith in him. On the sixth day of creation, the triune of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, made man in their own likeness and image and Adam and Eve were told to multiply and replenish the earth and also to subdue it. And in the sixth millennium, by the way, the one we're living in now, man has finally done what God has commanded him to do. And then on the seventh day, according to Scripture, God rested. Now, Considering all of this and the fact of the law of first mention, what if, 
What if God decided that the seventh millennium, because he has always worked with the number seven, that this would be the millennium, that the earth would be restored and Jesus would rule and reign from the throne of David for 1,000 years. Think about that. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 1 through 6, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit in heaven, a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witnesses of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and the holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so we do know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the last thousand years of human history, which I have just read to you, is in fact the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one thing we can be certain of. So please listen carefully. Number seven The next major event that's going to take place on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. We will preach on that next Sunday. When the rapture takes place, the world will go through how many years of tribulation? Seven. God has always worked with the number seven. And while the world is experiencing seven years of tribulation, the church will be at the judgment seat And the marriage supper of the Lamb for how many years? Seven. After the marriage supper of the Lamb, Jesus will return in his revelation. And following that, the Antichrist, the false prophet, according to the word of God, is going to be thrown on the lake of fire. Number eight. I want the musicians to come quickly. After the tribulation, according to the word of God, and I just read it to you, Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. And then King Jesus sets up his millennial kingdom and we will rule and reign with him for those 1,000 years. And the last point is this, number nine. At the end of the 1,000 years, Satan is going to be loosed. This is one of the sermons in the prophecy series that I'm going to be speaking on. Why? If God has him right where he wants him, bound in a bottomless pit, and we are living in God's peaceful world, the millennial kingdom, Jesus is on the throne, ruling and reigning from the throne of David. It's 1,000 years of peace. And that's all that some people will ever know because there will be people born in the tribulation that 
will actually go into the millennium. Listen carefully. People born in the millennium, a thousand years apiece is all they know. Why on earth would Jesus let the devil go after having him bound for 1,000 years? We're going to talk about that in one sermon in this series. But listen very carefully. In this millennium, this millennium is going to be what I believe, according to the Word of God, what you just read. You have a choice to believe it or to reject it. But I believe that the last, the millennium, the 1,000 years, will be the last plan of God, of human life, as we know it to be on the earth. Let me conclude by saying this. It's never God's intentions for us to walk in darkness. Every one of you here have a spiritual flashlight. And it's God's holy word. It will light your path. His light is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And you think about this. Lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And this is what the Word, the word helps us not to walk in darkness. So, the, so prophecy is not given to us that we be spiritually illiterate but that it would be better equipping us to be better prepared for when he comes. If you are not watching and waiting and looking for him to come, there's a good chance you're not ready for him to come. My question this coming week in preparation for next Sunday sermon is this, are you rapture ready. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.